Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Thanks, AJ. Wasn't that a blessed time of worship? Uh, This is my first time to be out here at the Corbin service. Um, I usually get to hang out at the 11 o'clock service with a number of our families and our senior saints. And this is an amazing place to worship our great God. It just echoes within here. And so um, I actually went here a long time ago when I had here and uh, was here right when the building was built. And this is a blessed place. And we're just so thankful that Corbin would allow us to be here at this season. Good morning. So glad that you're here. Thanks for braving the cold weather. Uh, We're so glad that you're here. All the Corbin students, we're glad that you guys are here as well. Uh, I encourage you to grab your Bibles and open up to Daniel 3 here this morning. Um, If you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Tim. I'm the Family Life Pastor at Sam Heights Church. And to all the Corbin students, I work with the young adults at uh, our church. And so you're welcome to come anytime, 7 o'clock on Sunday evenings. We've got a group for you. And uh, we're just glad that you would be here as well. Um, we also got some kids in the room. If you're a kid, say, what's up? Oh, wow, there's some low voices. I, I, I heard someone go, what's up? Okay, that's, that's an old sixth grader. Okay. Well, we are in a series here. Uh, in this season of our church as we're in relocation and construction. And what the pastors at our church wanted to do is go through this time Uh, And look at different stories in the Old Testament and throughout Scripture where we see God's unseen hand. And to remind us of different stories of God being at work even though we don't see it. And uh, our our, our theme is that we, we see in every single generation that God's unseen hand is working all things together for our good and to his glory. And to help us set the scene here this morning, uh, knowing that we got a couple kids here in the room, I invited uh, two of our young buddies, two of our young friends, Zeke Leeming and Evie Stokes, to come and read our portion of scripture this morning. So would you guys welcome them here this morning? Good job. Man, you guys look so nice. Good to see you. You can step right on up here, Zeke. Zeke, how old are you? Nine. Awesome. And what is your favorite animal? Um, a dog. A dog. That's good. I didn't tell him I was going to ask those questions. Good job, buddy. Well, would you read this first uh, passage for us here this morning? Thanks, bud. Then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? Now, if you're ready to... Now if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every, and every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But if he does not rescue us, we want you to know as... 
king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary. Good job. This is Abby. You look very nice today. Thank you. Yeah. And he commanded some of the best soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men in their trousers, robes, head coverings, and other clothes were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent and the fire extremely hot and the raging flames killed those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. The king Nebuchadnezzar jumped in alarm. He said to his advisors, didn't we throw three men into... Three men bound into the fire. Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, look, I see four men, not tired, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Mm-hmm. And Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door, a furnace of blazing fire, and called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. When the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair of their heads was singed, their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trust in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I assume a decree that anyone of any people, nation, or language who says anything offensive against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb and his house made a garbage dump. For there is no other god who is who is able to deliver like this. Mm-hmm. The king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Good job. There are some big words in that. Good job. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you. Thank you for this true story. Thank you for this true moment. Thank you for your word. And even being read from your kids, God, it's, re- it's a reminder that, uh, that you provide, that you meet us, and uh, you're with us. God, I pray that your word now penetrates our hearts and that we hear what you want us to hear today. God, thank you so much. We love you and praise things in your name. Amen. Our big point today is this, that in moments of testing, faithfulness to God and his word leads to impact. This story that we just heard from these kids this morning is one that's captivated not only religious but secular cultures for years. Uh, individuals like Johnny Cash, Louis Armstrong, even uh, secular bands like the Beastie Boys, and our friends like VeggieTales have covered this story for years. Shadrach and Benny, right? Now, to help us set the scene here that our friends just read this morning, I got a couple things here in my bag that I want to pull out. 
Our first thing is this, that this crew of these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were part of the first uh, exiles that were torn out of Jerusalem. They were besieged and they were taken to this Babylonian wicked nation. And they were captives. It happened in 597 BC. And they were the first wave of exiles there with Daniel. Taken to a place that they had never been. Ripped out of their homes. Besieged in a foreign land. Well, when they got there, they were given new names on arrival. And these, their original names, if you don't know, were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And each one of those names had a meaning. Hananiah, it meant that Yahweh has been gracious. Mishael means he who comes from God. And Azariah, which means the Lord is my helper. But just like that they had been besieged and taken out of their country, their names and identities were also taken. And they were given new titles. Shadrach, which means friend of the lower K king. Meshach, which means of Shach or of this Babylonian false god. And Abednego, which means servant of Nebo, which would have been basically a worshiper of planet Mercury. They wanted their eyes taken off of who they were, eyes taken off of the God that they served, and they wanted all those things to be forgotten as they were in this new, foreign, wicked country. Well, not long after that, a test came, a test that would test if they would follow God's word or eat the new menu in their new nation. And Daniel proposed that they eat vegetables for 10 days to see if God could provide, and what did he do? He did. After 10 days, they looked better, they looked healthier, they looked stronger, and in turn, they actually gained the approval and well-being of the officials in this foreign country. And then the day came, you know that day, when something got built, something very, very large got built, 105 feet, what some people think. And what they were to do was every single time that they'd hear a horn Every single time they'd hear music, that they were to bow down to this false statue, bow down to this idol. And the consequence for not bowing down would be what? To get burnt, to get thrown into this fiery furnace. And just like before, we know from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, our three friends refused. And that's what brings us to this moment. Let's read this again. In verse 13, it says this, Then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? Now if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? This moment that Nebuchadnezzar puts before them is the test. The test. Will you trust me, Nebuchadnezzar says, will you obey me or your God? Surely if you obey me and listen to me, you'll live. If you obey him, you'll die. You feeling lucky? But isn't this the question that we're asked all throughout scripture? Adam and Eve are presented with, did God really say? But God said, don't eat from that tree. Noah says, repent. 
Know that if you turn, that you'll be saved or given to the pleasures of your flesh. Israel is given an opportunity to serve God, to love him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, or to worship the false idols. And even the rich young ruler in the New Testament, to let go of those riches, to let go of those things. But he can't. I can't choose God. My pocket's too big. Did you know that you and I daily make 35,000 decisions? A new report just came out and said that. 35,000 decisions. I don't know how many of them involve blinking or sneezing, but 35,000 decisions and 226.7 of them deal specifically with food. That's a lot of decisions. Baskin Robbins or Cold Stone. That might captivate me. But how many of those decisions and how many of those moments could we consider and contain tests that have to do with do we choose God or self? God or choosing to go away? What has led to this test for these three individuals? What has led to the test for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What has led to this test is faithfulness to God's word. That's what has led to this test. They were torn out of their city and they stayed faithful to God's word. They were torn out of their city and they stayed faithful to his word when it came to what they ate. They were torn out of their city and they stayed faithful to God's word when it said you must worship when you hear noise, when you hear the music. Can you relate to this? Do you find yourself in these moments? I, 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 I'm preaching to the choir because every single day we have one of 35,000 moments like this. And I wouldn't just say one. Does it seem like in our world, it's becoming seemingly more and more antagonistic towards Christianity, hostile to our beliefs. And it seems like every single day we are asked to choose, do I love God or do I please man? Do I love God or I join in the stream of the world? I encounter this conversation many times with students. We're just flipping on their phone. They come across that Christians are bigots, that they're intolerant, that they're narrow-minded, that they're hypocrites. And they begin to ask the question of what should I do? How should I respond? What am I supposed to do with all this? Pause. We encourage them. What brought you to this test? What brought you to this moment? Pause the noise for a moment. What brought you to this question of what should I choose? Is staying faithful to his word. Staying faithful. And just like the song that we just sang, to consider it all joy when I encounter this test. This is it. You're in good company if you're receiving this test. If you're encountering this test, you're in company with these three. This is the one of 35,000 decisions that they had to make and we get to make every single day. Will I choose God or the world? Will I choose to worship him or not? Because faithfulness to God's word has led to this test. And so I asked simply this morning, what recent test has challenged you to stay faithful to God? What is it? You might even have this morning, it could be real simple. Do I get angry at my kids or respond in grace? Do I get frustrated with the weather outside even though it looks like I'm walking in a cloud or I give mercy? What is it? What recent test have you been even challenged to stay faithful in God in? 
When the world says to spend, God encourages you to build your kingdom and to store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust does not destroy. When the world says to celebrate, and it says to make your heaven here, God says, seek first my kingdom. Because know that I take care of the lilies and I take care of the birds. And how much more do I care for you? When the world says to speak and argue your own opinion, God says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due time he'll lift you up. Every single day we're presented this test. Take it as a gift. This is your moment. This is the moment that God's allowed you to walk in because he loves those he tests. This story continues on in verse 16. It says this, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as a king, to know that we'll not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Amen. Now, you might be reading that first part a little bit, like they're getting a little bit snarky, but I encourage you to read it through a different lens. What they're actually saying is this. We don't actually need to waste any time, king, on this. We have an answer already on our lips. We have no hesitation. We, have, we don't even need to think about this. We're not going to bow. That's what they're saying. And if there's any Corbin students here, or any Bible study method fans, I want you to notice something. In scripture, anytime there's a repetition, pay attention. What did we just get done listening to Nebuchadnezzar say? If you're ready when you hear the sounds and bow, I'll save you. But if you're not, you'll get thrown in. Two ifs. And what did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego immediately answer with? Two ifs. That's actually how you deal with temptation. That's how you deal with the test. You answer it directly and specifically. Nebuchadnezzar gave them two tests and they answered them immediately. They took those thoughts, they took the test captive and said, I just want to let you know, here's our answer. Now, we know the rest of this story, don't we? We know the rest of this story. We already have it flannel graphed in our mind. But can I let you know, they didn't know the rest of the story yet. This is a powerful thing as you read through scripture don't assume many times that you even know the rest of the story. Read it as if you're going through it the first time. Because they were. They're in this moment, and this is their response to the test. This is their answer. They don't know God's unseen hand. They don't know what he's going to do. And they answer like this. They answer humbly. And so we say it like this. That faithfulness to God in the test is answered in humility. They answer with ifs, not with assumption. They answer with ifs. Did you see that? If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not, I just want to let you know, we won't bow our knee to you, king. We'll not serve your gods. You know what this moment is? This moment is all of us taking a ride, 14,000 feet in the air. And the cockpit or the side door of the plane opens up and we get to stand there and we're about to get pushed out. Well, can I just let you know, you don't get a parachute. 
You don't get a parachute. That is this moment as we're standing at the edge, looking down 14,000 feet, knowing that there's nothing on our back that's going to give us any security. That is this moment for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they're about to enter this. If God can save us, he can, because that's who the God of the universe is. He can do this. But even if he doesn't, I just want to let you know we won't bow. And so they respond in humility as they're about to get pushed out the window, 14,000 feet in the air. Have you been there too? Have, have you been there? When you get pushed into a situation, this test comes. When you get pushed and you're standing there and you lose your job. I've talked to fellow friends and they're there in that moment. No job. I have no security. I don't know what's going to happen next. I know God can provide. But even if he doesn't in this season or the timing I want, I'm still not going to take this plan into my own hands. When my kid says, I want to be referred to as a different name, I know that the God of the universe sees my time, sees my story, sees my family. And if in this season he changes what's going on in my child's heart, I know he can. But even if it takes years, I'm still not going to turn. When you receive a diagnosis of cancer, sickness, whatever it might be, hurt, pain, suicide in your own family, I know that the God of the universe thinks about me, knows me, and is with me. And if he changes this, praise be to him. But if it takes minutes, days, hours, and many sleepless nights, I know I'm not going to run from him because he has been too good. This is this answer that these three give, and it's answered in humility, with no assumption. And what are they left doing with their hands lifted up? This is worship. This is worship in this moment that these three are giving. And this is the opportunity every single one of us has when we're about to approach a moment with no parachute. When we enter into these tests, this is the opportunity that we can give in an answer to God and to those around us. We're left with open arms. And so I ask you also this morning, what was the major test in your life, maybe recently, that revealed your view of God? What was that major test? What did that last major test in your life reveal about your view of God? When was the last time, maybe if you want to think about it in our way, that you stood on the edge of this 14,000 foot moment, knowing not that there was any security of what the future was to look like. And where did you go? And how did you see your God in that moment? Our story continues. In verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was filled with this rage and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, these three were close. This would have been unfortunate. They had received approval and now something had changed. There was anger. I mean, think of the pointiest face that you could imagine. And he gave orders to these three that he thought he knew. And he gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary and he commanded some of them 
of the best soldiers is an army to tie him up. And it says here in verse 25, after this moment, as they get thrown in, he sees them and exclaims this, look, I see four men not tied walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the angels. You see, because their, their identity, they, it was no longer found in what Nebuchadnezzar called them. No, their identity was with the one who was in there in the fire with them. In the past, these three friends were uh, favorites of the kingdom, and now they were seen by this king as a new favorite. They had someone with them, and he sees that there's someone else in the fire, and his response, so angry, is met with some extreme moment that he had never considered happening. This is the moment that he could never imagine. And he was forever impacted by this. Surely, surely nothing like this could ever happen. And he was changed as he saw someone else in the fire with them. And we say this, that their faithfulness led to impact. Their faithfulness to this God, God provided for them. God did a miracle far greater than some lettuce, helping them out 10 days. They were supposed to get burnt up Seven times the furnace was heated. And now they're walking around free and there's someone else in there. This didn't make any sense. And Nebuchadnezzar, read it in verse 28. It says this, Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated, (laughs) I love that, they violated me. This was my command. They violated the king's command and risked their lives. And in our translation, it means they freely gave it. They let it go rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I issue a decree that any of, anyone of any people, nation, or language who says anything offensive against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb. Whoa, bro, getting a little intense. And his house made a garbage dump. It sounded a lot better out of Evie's mouth. (laughs) For there's no other God who is able to deliver like this. This guy, this skeptic, this atheist, he goes, whoa, something's different. They know someone different. I need to know about this. They know something that I don't know. They have something I don't have. They have a real life hope that I don't. Got something else in my bag here. Many years ago, and actually just recently, um, I shared a story about growing up here in this church uh, a couple months ago. And, uh, and part of the story I didn't actually get to tell. Um, my w- wife and I actually met here at this school, um, took a lot of classes together. We dated, broke up, got back together, got married. <laughs> And uh, we got married in 2010. And shortly after we got married, uh, we, had, uh, we found out we had uh, a baby boy. And uh, Facebook was just coming out, and so we, we took these uh, um, pictures every single week, and you could see my wife's stomach getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And our, our baby was growing healthy, and we saw all the ultrasounds, heard the heartbeat and everything, and the baby was fully grown at 38 weeks. And uh, I remember the day um, when my wife said, I don't feel him. Um, I don't feel our son. And 
uh, so we went to the hospital and went, went in there and uh, went in the room to the ultrasound. And I can remember the ladies, the nurses, word she says, I'm so sorry, uh, he's gone. And um, our lives were completely shaken. We'd never been parents before. We'd never, uh, we, we didn't know what pregnancy was supposed to look like. Now, this was our first kid. All the expectation and hopes and dreams and all those things in a moment were met with loss. And uh, we immediately called um, our family. We called the pastors here. We called our church family. I was actually supposed to preach the next day in cause in Psalm 139. And I said, Matt, I need you to cover it. And uh, he said, yes. And that next day, our family and uh, the pastors came in, and they held that sweet boy named Ezra James. And they rocked him. We took pictures, and then we had to let him go. And uh, this was his little uh, pumpkin hat because he was born in October. And uh, after Michelle and I both received care, and counseling and time, uh, and a season to grieve, uh, there was an interesting thing that happened at the hospital that we uh, had to, had Ezra in, said, would you please come back, and would you share what, what took place in that room? And I don't know all the reasons why, God does, but they said, would you please come back and share with our doctors? Would you share with our nurses, and would you share what took place? And so my wife compiled little things like this and some pictures and, and put together actually a PowerPoint presentation of what the process looked like, all the photos that we had posted on Facebook. And uh, since that time, uh, we had our, our, uh, our Nora, and uh, we're also pregnant with our son named Toby. And we came to the first class at this hospital, and my wife shared, and I interjected here and there for about 45 minutes. And then at the end, we shared this presentation. And in the presentation, we were, like, completely unashamed to say, God provided. Like, like we used words like faith. In the music was, it is well with my soul. And many other hymns throughout this. And we get done in this secu secular place, and they appreciated it. There was a... There was a, a time of acceptance and applause, and we left, not knowing what would take place next. Well, then we got another call, and another call, and another call, and the, the hospital asked nine times for us to come back and share with their doctors and nurses, and then one time was even recorded and sent to um, a national conference and uh, given to a large group of other doctors and, and nurses. And since that time, uh, my wife in particular, and, and me as well, uh, probably can't go a month without someone saying, can, can we talk? Um, you've been, we just went through loss, uh, whether it be an infant, miscarriage, um, or others that have gone through this trauma and this loss. And my wife is so quick to answer and say, yes, I'm there. Um, and one of the questions that she's been asked and me as well, is, is there hope? Is there hope? And I can honestly say, and she can too, there is. There is. Um, because of the one who walked with us through that fire. Uh, 
is the one who is standing with us in that fire. All right, we wish it on no one, but in this life we will go through those fires. And he has walked with us and he wants to walk with you through whatever fire you're going through right now. And I just want to let you know that I share that story because whatever fire you're going through could be the greatest testimony of Christ for the world to see. That the Nebuchadnezzars in your life will take notice and say, there surely is no other God. Because who could walk through a fire like that and you can honestly tell them, it's not me, it's the one who's walking with me. So I encourage you to ask this this morning and even consider in this last season. Is there a test that you've encountered recently where someone was impacted by your response? What was their observation? What did they see? God's in the business of saving and changing Nebuchadnezzars. He's left us here. And I can hear the words of Pastor Ron quoting 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord Christ in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense for the hope that is within you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. You have a hope believer that the world is just completely absent of understanding. You have someone who's walked through the fire with you. This could be the greatest testimony for him. Whatever you're walking through right now, don't run from it. Don't run from it. Embrace it because what you'll find is you'll find him. You will find him. You will come to know him deeper and in greater ways as he walks with you through absolutely anything. In moments of testing, faithfulness to God and his word lead to impact. Will you allow his unseen hand to guide you as you walk through your fires today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this passage that, though familiar, rings so true today because we all get tests. We all get trials. We all get fires. Every single one of us, God, even within this last week, has probably gone through something in which they have encountered a question of, will you choose God or not? God, I pray that we see you walking with us closely through our fires, through our moments, through our tests. God, that you're not absent. God, I thank you so much. I thank you for this church that we can come around one another. We can encourage one another can share the same comfort that you have given us as we walk through these moments together because none of us are strong enough to walk through these fires alone. We need you and we need one another as we walk through them. God, thank you. And I pray that you would use this church, your people, to reflect your light and that the world would wonder and go, what is different? There's someone in that person's life. How are they encountering this moment? We get a point to you as you're walking with us. God, thank you. We love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.